Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio, powered by ForeverBlueShirts.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Forever Blue Shirts radio podcast featuring your hosts, Russell Hartman, Kevin Kruby, and Jean-Luc Shapiro. Kevin, how you doing on this uh, fine week, my friend? I'm a little, like, kind of pissed because everybody else had off today and I didn't, and everybody got to oh, sleep man. in, so I'm a little Sorry mad. Sorry to hear that. Sorry okay. to hear that. Sucks it's for like you, we man. We beat the Islanders <laughs> twice last week, so I'm actually we pretty did. happy about that. No, we did. Well, and I get us. to see the Islanders lose again on Tuesday. Oh, okay. Uh, we can I guess for everybody yesterday, so you know if I was happy or not going exactly. into Wednesday. We'll see. JL, how are you doing this week, my friend? I am super fantastic. I did not go to work today, and I ate a bunch of Domino's pizza. Hey, me pizza. neither. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I ate a bunch <laughs> of Domino's <laughs> pizza, and I ah. am watching Mad Men. I was at the game yesterday, and that was very disheartening to see. But nonetheless, I you still have 30 had seconds fun. left. Yeah, don't. Yeah, thanks for the reminder, Kevin Kruppy. I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, you knew the dangers with one nothing lead going into the third jail. Before you before, knew. Before we go on, I was telling my friend who I went with yesterday. I said I hate games like this. He's like, "What is that?" I go because they, they always do this to me. Last minute, thirty seconds, other team scores, and then they just blow a tire. What do you know? I mean, 30 seconds, like, it's not really their fault they blew a tire in the last 30 seconds. Just not easy to score, generally. Don't, it was a defensive game, JL. Don't give them excuses, Kevin. It was hey, a defensive game on a rebuilding team, <laughs> JL. You should be we pretty impressed the... they only gave up two goals. I didn't one say I was really, which coming. Is on a one uh, bad change. I didn't say we I was We knew upset. the loss was coming. The Rangers always make backup goalies or people in their debuts look like Patrick Waugh. So I said even before the game we knew this was coming. <laughs> oh, no. Once I saw I that, it wasn't Elvis. I was like, that's it, they exactly. lost. Exactly. I digress. You digress. Jail, kick us off this week, my friend. <laughs> All right, well, after, Do we, it. after we've done digressing, I want to get into something that is related to the Blue Jackets, but it's also related to the Rangers, and that is Artemi Panarin. So, obviously, Artemi Panarin, statistically speaking, seems like he's playing his best hockey for the Rangers right now. And having Ryan Strom down the middle seems to have boosted that a little bit. It seems like him and Strom have developed a strong connection and chemistry with each other. So, moving forward, you know, and we mentioned, we, may, we go into this in our interview with uh, Jared Clinton, uh, which who was our guest today. Um, depth wins championships. If you look at all of the good... NHL teams out there. They all have a good, solid one-two. You look at teams like the Boston Bruins or the Chicago Blackhawks. They all have solid one-two guys. So, 
Ryan Strom should be the guy down the middle for Panarin moving forward. Who the other winger is, well, that's to be determined, whether it's going to be Jesper Faust or it's going to be someone else like Kratsov or maybe even it's Kapokako. Who knows? But depth wins championships. And if you have Panarin and Strom along with, let's just say, Zabanajad or Kako, Zabanajad Buchnevich, or another winger that's valuable to this rebuild, then guess what? You have yourself a prime recipe of success for the rebuild because Artemi Panarin, let's face it, we all know he is the best player, arguably one of the top five in the league right now. And now that we've locked them up for seven years, they have to begin to build around him. And having Ryan Strom down the middle with him is to start. And I'd also like to say Artemi Panarin is a ranger. He took less money to come here. So kick rocks, Islanders. That's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm glad the, the Islanders can kick rocks, but the Rangers just kick rocks on Sunday. So, I mean, I can't really <laughs> dish it out as bad. I mean, as if they beat the Blue Jacks, yeah, I'd be right there with you. But, you know, time to get down to earth a little bit. I, it's great, like, seeing, like, you know, the Rangers getting a lot of prospects and picks the past two years since the letter. But it's time to kind of get real with the rebuild. Now it's like the final stretches, I hope. The last like season where they probably don't make the playoffs. Next year is really like the year we can count on them pushing. So minimizing the return for some players this season might be the way to go, especially trying to unload specific contracts. Now, obviously the Rangers have a huge contract in Artemi Panarin. That's over $11 million. Mika Zibanejad makes a good amount of change. But all in all, the Rangers will have to pay a lot of guys, a lot of young guys, a good amount of money soon. We're talking Tony D'Angelo. We're talking Brendan Lemieux. Eventually, you know, we might even have to pay Ryan Strom a good amount coming this offseason if we don't trade him. It's looking like that way. Um, that the thing is, like, in order to make these realities, make this more of a reality and not like a pipe dream, the Rangers really have to focus on getting rid of dead weight. And I don't want to say dead weight. I don't want to make it seem like they're bad players. They're useful, but they're just not in the future for the rebuild. Brent Smith has become a fourth-line bruiser. He's good defensively. He plays the penalty kill. He's useful. Uh, you know, Brady Shea really hasn't been as good as we want him to be. Maybe that changes, but he's carrying a $5.25 million cap hit up until 23-24, and it's really not looking good for him. He's not really flourishing the way we want him to. Granted, he is under Lindy Ruff. You know, you could make an argument there, but it really gets to the point is he's just not playing well. And you have guys like Kapokako, you have guys like Philip Hedo, Brent Howden that might need contracts, and Mika Zibanejad needs to re-up even before Brady Shea's contract is done. So coupling them in a trade with Alexander Georgiev or Chris Kreider or Jesper Faust, just to minimize your return, but they take the brunt of the cap. Even if you're splitting that cap in half, over the next few years, that's still a huge relief, especially if you want to try to sign some big-ticket free agent in this offseason and the offseason afterwards. So going into the trade deadline, don't expect just them to get everything as much, get a lot back. Maybe for Alexander Georgiev, maybe you get a high-level prospect or you get an NHL-ready guy, but don't expect William Nylander. Expect something different from Jeff Gordon. Expect some sort of creativity trying to unload some cap hit because – He's not going to be able to outright trade Brendan Smith or Brady Shea. He's not even going to be able to outright trade Pavel Buchevich based off of the year he's really having. Like, you know, advanced metrics say one thing, but he's just not putting up the points. At the end of the day, you have to look at the point totals 
and Buchnevich isn't doing it. It's not pretty for some teams wanting to make a playoff push. He's not seen as a valuable guy if they have better pieces than him. So adding somebody else just to take him off your hands is a good chance to, you know, revitalize this lineup. But it's all relative. We don't know how they're going to perform next year. We don't know who they're going to try to sign next year. They might just go into this next year just doing all prospects again, heading into the expansion drift, holding these guys and exposing them. So we're going to see creativity. If anything, it's just going to be Georgiev and Poss- and, and Kreider and possibly somebody else at the trade deadline. But nobody knows. Just expect them to not just do the outright trades. And Russell, I know you want to say something because we're all saying before, something. Before before I get to what I have to say, I'd like, I like I think it's a good point, Kevin, how – you know, people need to kind of temper their expectations of what we're going to get back at the trade deadline. Um, I mean, uh, based on an article that uh, Anthony actually wrote, because uh, he spoke to Adrian Data recently. Leader. Yeah, he spoke to Adrian Data recently, who uh, covers the Avalanche. Um, and apparently the uh, what Data told him was that, uh, example for Chris Kreider, the Rangers will either get a first rounder or Martin Kaut if that's the route that they wanted. So it's going to be all about kind of like Kevin said, unloading some contracts if you can. And, you know, I think the Rangers will prioritize at this point. Um, I think they'll prioritize getting their uh, a young prospect or maybe like a roster player over a pick because I think they're entering a stage of this rebuild or build, whatever you want to say, that, you know, they're going to want to start the competing bit of it instead oh, yeah, of they, just collecting more picks. They also have two really good prospects that could be ready next year, Nils Lundqvist and Keandre. We're always talking about them. Absolutely. Now, if Keandre Correct. takes another year, that's fine, but Nils is ready to go. He's looking like the best D-man, <laughs> just best prospect we've had since blah, 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 blah. Well, that's, the, been that that's the beauty of having an overabundance of assets. That's the thing. But I it's, mean... also, that's the, it's also the problem. You get logjam so easily, and that's why I brought this up, coupling bad contracts just to make room for these guys. Right. Like, we had and the we'll problem get... with Leah Sanderson, Kratzoff. Sorry, I just want to finish this. Oh, no, no, you, no. Totally okay. Just those two examples right there is just... Now we're going to have to most likely trade Leas Anderson, and Kratzoff might not see NHL time until either after the deadline or even next year. So it's logjam so quickly with so many good talent. It's just you have to – something has to budge. Hey, it's a good Sorry, problem. Sorry, I digress. It is a great, no, it's totally okay. it's a great problem. It's a good problem to have. It's, and we'll get into Nils Lundqvist in a little bit later, but the defenseman I wanted to talk about is Jacob Truba. And, you know, when a defenseman is making – or I shouldn't even say any player is making $8 million a year, you expect them to compete at a certain level – and you expect him to produce at a certain level. Now, Jacob Trouba this season has seven goals and 16 assists for 23 points. Pretty good for a defenseman. But, you know, when you see guys like Tony D and Adam Fox who are really starting to come out of their shell and playing really well, it makes you question things. But this is why you shouldn't. And I think Jacob Trouba has actually been extremely underappreciated in his time with the Rangers so far, and this is why. He's getting the tough assignments. He's getting the defensive zone starts. He's getting these lockdown kind of like roles on the team and what that does for the guys like Fox for the guys like Tony D and even to an extent you know when Leroy Hayek was here him too it shelters guys like that from playing like Tuffman against the toughest competition sometimes so the points might not necessarily be there for Jacob Trouba that you're expecting to see he might not hit the 50 points he had with the Winnipeg Jets last season but what he's doing is he's opening up time and space for the younger defensemen to jump into the play do what they do and become more acclimated to the NHL game now, next season, will Jacob Truba be a, will the stats be there a little more? Possibly because 
You're going to have another year of development out of Adam Fox, another year of development out of Tony D'Angelo. You're still going to have Brady Shea there, most likely, because that's going to be a tough contract to move. And like Kevin mentioned, you have Nils Lundqvist and Keandre Miller, who are most likely going to be competing for spots next year. Nils Lundqvist, of course, over Keandre Miller, because for those that don't know, Nils Lundqvist is about to break Victor Hedman's record for U-20 defenseman in points in the SHL, and he's about three or four points away from breaking the all-time record for U-20 defensemen. This is a kid who was picked 28th overall, who was overlooked by a lot of people, who Rangers European scouts believed in, and he's going to be another kid who's going to be you know, coming on this blue line next season. So it's going to be great to have a guy like Jacob Truba. And you know, we keep saying, oh, he's a veteran. He's, he's 25 years old. So he still fits the timeline of this rebuild. So it's good, it's good that we have a veteran defenseman to lean on while guys like Tony D, guys like Fox, Nils, uh, and Keandre Miller will all eventually slide into this lineup. It will make the transition a lot easier to have that workhorse in Jacob Truba, who, by the way, I really don't like the hate that he gets from some people on Twitter. You know, you've seen people. Tra- yeah, it's like, oh, trade exactly. this guy. Or he hasn't been playing well. It's like, dude, a number one defenseman sometimes isn't all about points. A number one defenseman is about defense. It's about giving time and space to younger players, and it's about laying in the big hit every once in a while to let everyone know not to mess with your team. And that is exactly what Jacob Truba has been doing this season. And once the cap keeps going up and up and up as it's projected to, the $8 million cap hit on him is not going to look as bad in a few seasons. I promise you that. Well, to add to that, real quick, before we move on to our next segment, a lot of people expect a high-priced defenseman like Jacob Truba coming off a 50-point season with Winnipeg to just score 30 goals and basically be like a forward on the back end and those people tend to not really take a look at the eye test you know again i was at the game uh sunday night against columbus and i I was really paying attention to him i wanted you know i knew we were going to talk about this tonight so i wanted to see just just again just watch him a little bit more extensively because most of the games i've just been paying attention to tony d'angelo and artemi panarin most of the time <laughs> so well, i can't but well no no of course not but but the point i'm trying to make is is that i say you know what let me let me add a little more emphasis on looking at truba and i'll tell you man from having been at the garden hockey is a different sport watching it live than it is watching it on TV. Of course, a lot of people that listen to this and you guys know this perfectly well. I was watching him make some of these plays and he was just muscling people off the puck. He was in the right position. He was making the smart plays and he actually made the smart play of timing the puck right, throwing it out of the zone to find his deep partner, Brady Shea, coming out of the box to net one one past... um, uh, the name of the goaltender for Columbus that I'm not going to try and pronounce right oh, now. I, I wouldn't even try if I was you. But, Cause, yeah. Uh, I, what's his name? I, you know what? I'm not even going to go there. Elvis, Elvis Merce Lincoln. We all know who we're talking yeah, well, about. But at the other guy, it's 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 key something. But anyways. But yeah, Truba, again, like you alluded to, Russell, he doesn't get the hate that he deserves. You know, everyone expects all of the defensemen on the Rangers to turn out to become Brian Leach. You know, leave the Brian Leach stuff to Adam Fox, okay? Jacob Truba is doing his job well. And you know what? To be frank, people like to get on Lindy Ruff and the defensive scheme's not doing so well. But let's give credit where credit is doing. We'll talk about this right when we come back uh, from our interview real quick. Um, but the defense has actually been... Decent, and Truba has been a big part of that. JL, thank you, my friend. Thank you for <laughs> just telling the, I mean, telling you the really audience. Add, exactly. You really added to that. that was he did. That was, that was like, like a perfect was, add to that, wasn't it? I wanted to great? add to it, but, you know. You I'm gonna leave, I think we should leave it there, JL. Just Let's move on. The, you, guys yeah, did, you guys did an interview <laughs> oh, without me. 
So our interview this week uh, was with Jared Clinton of the Hockey News. He's the third member of the Hockey News to join us on the show following Ken Campbell and Ryan Kennedy. Uh, we asked Jared a multitude of questions ranging from Artemi Panarin's Hart Trophy candidacy to uh, when fans can expect the Rangers to be a cup contender and even about the recent um, crazy kind of hits that have been going on in the league. So without further ado, here is me and JL's interview with the uh, Hockey News' own Jared Clinton. The Forever Blue Shirts Radio Podcast this week is proud to welcome Mr. Jared Clinton of the Hockey News. Jared, how's everything going, man? Not too bad. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. Thanks for agreeing to come on the show. So we're just going to ask you a few questions. And to start off, um, one of the big topics this week, uh, an article you actually wrote last week, um, you know, specifically about Artemi Panarin, he's had probably as good of a first season as you can have uh, for a new team and, uh, you know, basically what you were saying was it would be kind of an uphill battle for him to win the Hart Trophy. Um, if you could just expand on that and what do you think it would take for him to maybe even possibly win it? And I know, you know, he's got some tough competition in Connor McDavid and even Leon Dreisaitl. So what could Panarin possibly do the rest of the way to sway voters? And why do you think it's kind of, you know, going to be a little difficult for him to get to that uh, Hart Trophy now? Yeah, you know, as far as swaying voters go, I, you know, I, I don't know if he really needs to do too much in order to sway anybody. I, I think his, his numbers kind of speak for themselves. Um, you know, the way he's performed all year long it speaks for itself, too. You know, he's been as good and as effective as anybody could have wanted from him. Um, I, I think, you know, he was brought in to be an offensive driver, and he's been exactly that. And I think, you know, that in and of itself is enough to at least get him in the conversation. Um, I think, you know, if, when we talk about the heart, too, you know, it, it generally comes down to a few things. And, the, it, you know, the biggest thing um, a lot of times, because we see so many forwards win the award, is, is just the Art, Rock, uh, the Art Ross race. That basically dictates who's kind of in the conversation. I think by virtue of that, Panarin's in, in the conversation. So as far as swaying people, I don't think he needs to do too much. You know, he's doing everything possible. Um, you know, what really pushes him over the line or at least gets him a chance to win the award, um, in, in my view at least, is he, his team needs to make the playoffs. So the Rangers have to make the playoffs. And, you know, anything less, and he probably is going to end up on the outside looking in, of, you know, as far as voting is concerned. Um, we haven't seen, uh, you know, a non a non uh, a player on a non-playoff team win the heart in so many years that I it's just it's not feasible to think that someone's going to do it in this day and age, especially with the discourse surrounding that. Um, you know, the, the general consensus is that you know what kind of value does a player actually hold if his team hasn't made the postseason? I don't necessarily agree with that, but that's kind of the the grander thinking there. So you know, I, I think it really just comes down to whether or not New York can kind of um, you know not not just hang around in the wild card race, but actually get into a wild card spot. So. You know, that's the biggest challenge right now, and Panarin can only do so much as, as far as that's concerned. Right, and, you know, like you said, they have to make the playoffs, and they are hanging around right now, so, I mean, they need to have a big second half, but we'll see if their defense can continue to keep impressing. Um, so Panarin's uh, line mate this season most of the time has been Ryan Strom. Um, after the trade to bring him over to New York for Ryan Spooner, he's been pretty, pretty good for them. He's been dynamite down the middle, and he's an RFA during this offseason. Do you think, I mean, this is one of the biggest decisions GM Jeff Gordon is going to have to make leading up to the deadline. Do you think that he's a goner? Or do you think that because of the chemistry he has with Artemi Panarin, that Gordon might look to extend him in the offseason? Uh, you know, I, I'm of the mind that you try and extend them right now. You know, the, the, the kind of the spot the, the Rangers are in right now, clearly, you know, the rebuild's been accelerated by some of the pieces they have, Panarin being the main one. 
Um, you know, the Jacob Trouba acquisition as well kind of changes the dynamic a little bit. Um, but I, I really think you, you know, when you have a piece that you can kind of have control of as far as, you know, cap hit and contract, I, I think you kind of have to try and lock that piece up, especially if, um, you know, we're only scratching the surface with Ryan Strom. You know, th- there's a potential to be very good value there, even if it's on, you know, not not, not necessarily a long-term seven-year contract or eight-year contract on, on something that's, you know, shorter term, you know, a five-year pact even. Get some good value there for his, you know, his late prime years and kind of milk him while he's at his very best and, and go from there. You know, the Rangers are going to need supplementary pieces while they bring in the fresher faces. And I think Strom is a perfect example of a guy that, um, you know, I, I don't want to say they lucked into, you know, because there's there's some there's some um, figuring out to do with his game there. There's some coaching to do with his game there and development to do that, that the Rangers did well. And I think, um, you know, slotting him with Panarin obviously has been one way to kind of unlock his potential. But I, I think, you know, now that you've kind of discovered something with him, you want to kind of um, keep building on that if you can. And, you know, it's it's not every day that you're going to find a piece kind of his age that you can build around. Um, or at least kind of build your the middle of your lineup around, and I, I think there's value in that. So, I mean, I, I don't really, I, I'm not of the mind that you get rid of a player of his age, especially when he's under team control right now. Um, you know, even if you take him to arbitration and go from there, there there's there's more options. So, uh, yeah, if I'm the Rangers, I'm trying to keep him around. Uh, JL here, Jared. First of all, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it much. Um, I do agree with you about Ryan Strom, uh, him being around the 26, 27 age mark, I think, like you mentioned. A young centerman who can definitely anchor his second line, and seems like he's on the uptick, so I definitely agree with you on that. But on the topic of trades, uh, obviously it's like the worst-known secret known to mankind <laughs> is that the Toronto Maple Leafs are in the market for a goaltender. And one of the names mm-hmm. that they've been linked to is uh, Rangers goaltender you know, Alexander Georgiev. Um, Obviously, the New York Rangers have a three-goalie situation right now, and it doesn't seem like that's really ideal for the franchise right now with the emergence of Igor Shesterkin. So with Toronto being desperate in the goalie situation and the Rangers having the surplus in net, uh, what kind of deal do you think Toronto could try and get from New York? Or rather, what kind of deal could New York try to pry out of the Maple Leafs? And, you know, sources and things have floated around online saying that, you know, just one guy either a young prospect or a young forward won't be enough for the New York Rangers. What kind of deal do you think that uh, Toronto could possibly give to the New York Rangers to solve their goalie situation? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's a tricky question, right? Because it comes down to how desperate the Maple Leafs get, right? Uh, a line that Elliot Friedman says a lot that I really love is, you know, when, when a GM's drowning, the other GMs are just going to try and throw them an anchor. They're not going to throw you a life, a life support, <laughs> right? So, I, I think yeah. one of the things that I I kind of see happening here is, you know, the Rangers kind of hold all the cards, and it's not just the Maple Leafs, right? Like they can play other teams against um, whatever Toronto's desire is to have Georgiev or you know try and try and pick up a goaltender of any kind. I, I think there's a really good opportunity for the Rangers there to kind of milk this and, and turn it into more than than what they could kind of get. And there's there's multiple teams who are in in situations where they need a goaltender. You know, Colorado their goaltending situation has been a little bit shaky at points this year. So, um, you know, they're looking to kind of make a, a deep run and, and they're going to need all the support they can get there. I think Nationals tandem has kind of struggled to Nationals another um, option, but as far as what you can get for him, I think, you know, there, there's potential to get a decent roster player and probably a pick. Um, you know, I, I think depending on the level of roster player, you could look at a one for one, but um, more than likely, you know, a team, especially a team that's kind of, uh, eyeing up a, a postseason run is going to want as much depth up front as it can have. 
Um, so you're probably going to get like a bottom six type player um, who has some upside, obviously, because the Rangers are looking for that kind of thing. But, you know, you're not going to get a first round or a second round pick thrown in there. It'll probably be a third or maybe a conditional third with, you know, the chance for a re-signing or a certain games played mark to kind of um, up the potential package for the Rangers. But I think that's probably more what I'd be looking for in that kind of trade. I don't think you're, you're going to get top, top value, but you're going to get pretty good value out of them. And you mentioned Colorado uh, there that they're interested in looking for a goaltender. Now, there have been several rumors going around uh, on Twitter and just, you know, around the hockey world that Henrik Lundqvist is uh, subject for, uh, for trade talks. I know it seems highly unlikely, but let's just say theoretically Colorado wanted to acquire Henrik Lundqvist. What kind of deal do you think that they would have to give to the New York Rangers? Because I know it would take a lot considering he's got a pretty high salary, so to speak. So let's just say theoretically Colorado was interested in Henrik Lundqvist and the Rangers wanted to keep Georgiev and Shesterkin. What kind of deal would Colorado have to give to New York to make that happen? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's funny. I, I think the, I, I honestly kind of think the package would be even less only because, like like you said, the, the salary is what it is, and that's difficult to negotiate for any team. And it, it kind of depends, um, you know, you 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 maybe increase the package a little bit by getting uh, the Rangers to uh, to eat some of the salary and kind of hold it back, but but you know I, I think you know you kind of for me as far as that's concerned you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said as, as unlikely as it seems. I, I think you know when we talk about that it's it's a it's a big hypothetical. I, I don't really see um, I, I don't know if I really see Lundqvist as necessarily the answer there and. Um, you know, for Colorado, I, I don't know if they'd want to give up anything substantial to get a, a veteran goalie who's, you know, on kind of the back end of his career, especially one who's not um, on an expiring deal right now. Um, I think if they were to chase somebody, they're going to chase somebody who, uh, if it doesn't work out and it kind of goes sideways on them, that they're free of the cap hit, you know, going forward because they've got other contract concerns to be um, to take care of in the offseason that I don't think they're going to really assume any money for next year if they can avoid it. Now, just to stick with goaltenders, at least uh, for now, uh, just real quick. So, obviously, we know Toronto. We'll go back to them. They seem to be in a bit of a bind, as, as we all know, like I mentioned before. So, does it seem like Toronto would make that kind of move for a goaltender now, seeing as how they just dropped out of a playoff spot? Or do you think uh, Kyle Dubas and company will wait towards the deadline to try and make a move and follow suit with the rest of the teams? Because, you know, frankly, I think it should – they they would make a move sooner rather than later. But, you know, I just wanted to ask you, do you think that they would make a move for a goaltender now than later? Because yeah. again, New York really doesn't New York really doesn't have to move any of their goaltenders realistically. They seem to have I mean it's it's absurd, but it seems to me that they're doing okay with this three goalie rotation, but it's all mm -hmm. about keeping some of your players happy. So do you think Toronto makes a move sooner rather than later for a goaltender? Yeah, you know, I, again, I, I don't know how much I want to speculate, but I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I think if I'm Kyle Dubas, which I'm not, um, I, you know, I, I probably play it a little more patient um, just because these things, like, I mean, your, your defense core is just, you know, ravaged right now. Um, you know, you've lost, you know, arguably your two best defensemen. Um, you know, you've kind of got a, a little bit of weakness there right now. And I don't know if a goaltender is an automatic solution because, um, you know, just you're not going to put any goaltender, no matter who it is, in the right situation right now. So I, I kind of wonder if they don't see how this goes over the next few, 
you know, weeks, uh, and then approach it that way as, as the deadline inches closer. And I think the added benefit there too is um, a lot of times we look at the deadline and we think, oh, you know, prices are just going to shoot up at the deadline. But it's not always necessarily the case. You know, we, we've seen a, a few times in recent years that, um, you know, teams who have players who they maybe want to get rid of, um, they, they get a little bit desperate kind of sometimes to move guys or, you know, they take the best offer that's available because maybe they want to pick for the upcoming draft, you know, and, and they're going to get a better pick now. You know, even if it's a third, it's going to be better than the fourth they get in the future. So, um, you know, it, it's I, I think there's a there's a careful um, balancing act and, 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 you know, kind of waiting game to be had here. So the Rangers will probably kind of weigh their options and, and as will the Maple Leafs um, as kind of the deadline approaches. And I could see it taking a little bit longer than, uh, maybe we think, no matter how desperate the Maple Leafs might seem. Yeah, so, I mean, it's going to be a lot of storylines leading up to this trade deadline, and we'll see what the Rangers actually do decide to do. Um, to redirect this a bit, um, there's been some questionable calls and punishment once it comes, when it comes to on-ice hits recently. Um, you know, Ryan Ellis' hit on Pavel Buchnevich wasn't really looked at by the league, but, you know, it, it uh, happened the game against the President, uh, with the game against the President, the Rangers, uh, during the fall. And, you know, the altercation between Matthew Kachuk and Zach Cassian seems to be really reigniting the Battle of Alberta. Um, do you see the league beginning to take more notice of these types of things? And do you believe that this is something that's going to come up in the offseason meetings, I guess, how to deal with these kinds of situations more? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's definitely going to come up in the offseason. I think every summer, um, it needs to be addressed or at least talked about, you know, the players need to be protected better with what we know about head injuries and all of those things. Um, I, I don't think there's any question about that, that, that the league needs to do everything it can at, at every juncture to try and um, do whatever is necessary to keep the players safe. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, we're, we're seeing some stuff go uncalled and maybe overlooked a little bit. And, um, it's it's tough, you know, from an NHL perspective, right? They they they're trying to they're trying to strike a balance between the the old school thinking fan and the new school thinking fan, right? Like there's 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 fans that are you know they watch the international game and they get frustrated. They get frustrated with you know perceived head contact leading to penalties and game misconducts, things that are you know questionable calls um, turning into you know maybe what some fans would deem excessive punishment. And then there are other fans who are on the complete other side of the spectrum who, who think those, you know, the, the IH, IHF, like hard stance against those hits is, is the right one to take. And, um, you know, I, I think the league needs to, uh, is, is right now trying to, trying to balance it. But I, I think we're, we're kind of heading towards an IHF style rule. And I, I don't think that's, in, in my opinion, at least, I don't think that's the wrong call. Again, I said, like I said, you, you need to do everything you can to protect the players. If you, if you put proper replay uh, mechanics in um, to make sure that players aren't getting, you know, unfairly penalized for things that happen, bang, bang, then, then maybe you can uh, kind of weed out the instances where uh, there, there's maybe a head hit that goes, uh, that rises to the, the, the level of a game misconduct that, that, you know, is rescinded automatically and turns into a four-minute penalty for checking on the head or, or four-minute penalty for roughing or what have you. So I, I think, you know, the league's going to try and find ways to um, take care of all these hits that they can, all the ones that are kind of borderline or on the fringe. But, you know, they're, they're kind of struggling lately. And, um, you know, it's – I don't know really what else to say about it. It's just it, – it's it's tough to kind of handle punishment sometimes. So you you want to give the league some benefit of the doubt sometimes, but they, they do happen to get some of these um, pretty – pretty poorly called in my opinion.
Yeah, so I, you know, we all hope they take a look at that, and that you know, there's more. It kind of gets a standard that uh, in the rule book that comes to some of these hits because you don't want to see anyone get really hurt here. Um, so our last question for you, Jared, is um, the Rangers have made great strides so far since they sent out the letter, since they decided that you know it wasn't working and they need to rebuild the team and kind of just have a franchise reset. Um, you know, they selected Capocacco second overall last year, and you have guys like Adam Fox, Filipino, Ryan Lindgren, who are starting to really come come up and show what they got. Um, with the additions of Truban Panarin, as well as, you know, vets like Zabanajad in recent years, um, how long, in your estimation, do you think we see the New York Rangers contending again? And not just contending, but starting to be able to go for a cup again. What do you think is a timeline you could give fans of this team, um, in your opinion? Oh, that's tough. Um, uh, you know, I, I think as far as, like, postseason contention goes, I, I, I think we're seeing right now the beginnings of, of what could be a, a, a playoff contending team. Um, you know, we're already talking about it with Panarin, right? Like we're, we're saying if, if the Rangers make the playoffs, he's a, you know, he's not a shoe in to win the award, but he's definitely a favorite if, if they make the postseason. And the fact that we're even talking about it in those terms tells you how many, you know, how far along this team has come in, in kind of a short period of time. Um, you know, I, I, you mentioned Truba and, you know, you mentioned some of the young guys coming up and obviously this rebuilds, not accelerated necessarily because, you know, I don't think the Rangers are going to uh, make any, any, any brash, any rash decisions rather that are going to kind of throw them off, um, off of their the trajectory they're on right now. They don't want to do anything um, kind of uh, off the cuff that, that sends them, you know, back a step into the forward a step. But I, I do think, you know, we're looking at probably a playoff team in the next, you know, one or two seasons, maybe three seasons, and then after that, you know, to become a cup contender, there's, there's got to be some um, strides made all, all across the board. And I think, you know, the Rangers have the depth there that, you know, maybe in five, six years, it's realistic to think that this is a, a cup contending team. You know, it, it can happen awfully quick, though. Like I, I say five, six years, and we know very well, like, um, you know, you look at the Blackhawks back in the early 2000s, and, you know, not, not necessarily comparing the teams, but you just look at how quick that rise was. You know, it was, you know, 07, 08, 08, 09. And then nine ten they win a cup, so that was three years from you know a, a non playoff team to a to a not not just a cup contender a cup winning team. So, you know it, it can happen awfully fast. It just depends kind of you know how the development goes for some of these players because best laid plans sometimes don't work out and um, teams will have to change course depending on the way some of the, the kids develop. So you know a playoff team, uh, in my opinion, two three years a, a contender probably four five six. Um, and that, that's probably the range you're looking at. And I, I don't think that's a, that's a bad range. You know, that's, that's a range that uh, allows some of the, the, the younger players to develop together, build some chemistry together, get settled in, and it allows the, the front office to kind of realize what players are, are going to be necessary and, and key players on, on this team moving forward. And um, you kind of move from there. So it, it's, a, it's a longer timeline maybe for, for a cup winner, but it, it's, a, it's a good timeline and it's a nice timeline to know that there is that option there. It's, it's better than the reverse where that possibility doesn't seem like it's going to be there for, you know, at least a decade. Absolutely. And uh, just one final follow-up question for you. Um, what, what do you think would benefit this team going forward more? Do you think that if this team made the playoffs, who knows how deep they would get number one, but do you think if they made the playoffs would help this team kind of gain that experience more? Or do you think if they fell out of the race and got another top pick added to this roster with Kako and Panarin and all these guys, what, which way do you think would benefit this team more in the long term, kind of getting the experience or getting another top young kid to come into this uh, franchise? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what, honestly, 
I, I'm going to say making the playoffs. I'm going to say making the playoffs would benefit them more. You know, I, I'm I'm very big on like the, the the you know get the picks and the prospects and kind of build from there. But at a certain point, you do need to start making steps. And I think you know an important thing for this roster, especially the younger players on the roster, is getting that experience, getting a taste of it. And you know, if the Rangers do end up running with one of their younger goaltenders uh, come the postseason, if they were to make it, I, I think that does benefit you know the goaltenders. It benefits you know the young defensemen coming up. It benefits all the depth forwards who are playing smaller roles now and can play larger ones later. I think all that experience ends up actually mattering. I, I know it's kind of this nebulous idea, this idea of experience, because you can't really measure it or measure what it means to a team. Um, you know, it's not quantifiable, but I, I do think. Uh, it has a value in, in understanding what those situations are like and playing in those situations. And it's, it's better to get some of that now um, and get some of that with a group that can maybe surprise the team um, and kind of win around if, if they got hot. So I, I think, you know, there's a lot to be gained from obviously ending up out of the race and, and getting into a, a lottery, a lottery position. Uh, but there's no guarantee you're going to get that at all, right? You could finish sixth and, um, you know, end up drafting sixth. And, and that's really you're out of the the real meat of the draft right there. Even though this is a strong draft coming up, but uh, yeah, I, I, it, for my money, it's experience all the way. I, I think it really would do this team a, a world of good in the long term. Thank you so much for joining us, Jared. We appreciate your time and have a good one. All right, thanks, Thank you, Jared. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Jared. Me and Jail had a great time speaking with him. A blast. And everyone. Drum roll, please. It is time for some New York Rangers trivia this week, hosted by our very own Kevin Krupe. It's Rangers trivia with Kevin Krupe. Roll the clip. That's the goal horn or whatever. Whatever JL said last time. Here we go, boys. Here we go. Number one. Are you guys ready? Oh, you're jumping right into it. Oh, you're I'm not going right to right You're not going to no, give I us I mean, we we got we got, we had an interview. We got to speed things along. Here we go. Okay. Number 1. Henrik Lundqvist this season posted back-to-back stellar games against the Red Wings and the Hurricanes. How many total saves did he make? Is it A 90, <laughs> B 73, C 83, or D 80? You know what? It's Henrik Lundqvist, so I'm going to go with 90. <laughs> Can you run down the list again, Kevin? I will run down it again. A, <laughs> 90, B, 73, C, 83, or D, 80? Uh, I'm going to be a rebel here, and I'm going to go D, 80. And congratulations, John Luke Oh, yes! <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist faced 83 shots in those two games and led in three total goals. What a stellar performance. They shouldn't have won either one. <laughs> Can you, can you really blame me for picking uh, 90? Can wait, you actually, really you blame me? Yeah, but when I was looking this up, I thought it was 90. That's why I put it. I was like, yeah, it's 90. No, you no, no, no. Here's the thing. Here, here's here's what I'm thinking. He probably made just the minimum about 40 saves each game, I'm assuming. It had it had to be. It was excessive. Yeah, it was so um, that's a lot. Okay. So it was 40 and like 38 or something. I don't mm. remember. It's All a right. lot. All right, Russell, I'm coming for your crown. Next question. Prior to this Tuesday's game against the Islanders, Artemi Panarin has amassed 68 points in 47 games. How many games did he not score in? Is it A, 4, B, 8, C, 11, or D, 13? Chael, let's start with you, buddy. (laughs) 
D, 13. What about you, Russell? I, I'm, I'm, I think it's 11. Oh, man! Russell gets a point oh. ties it up. Oh, yeah. Point for me, Prior baby. to yesterday's game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, Artemi Panarin did not score in 10 games. Oh. Now, here's a follow-up question for you two. In those 11 games, how many did the Rangers win? Is it A, 0, B, 1, C, 2, or D, 3? Since Russell got it right, you should answer. I'm saying you to who? Me or me? You, up. Russell. You. you yes, won. you That's are Russell question. Hartman, right? <laughs> I, I might be. I might be. Um, Perhaps. I'll read it again. Say, I'll, I'll say oh. two. I'll say two. Russell says two. JL. Can you read the list again? I'm old and I can't remember. Uh-oh. Zero. Oh the orthopedics are getting to him. <laughs> <laughs> my back. Zero, one, two, or three. My neck, my back, my anxiety attack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's let's go with three. Bum, bum, ba-dum. It was one. Oh, so none oh. of us got it right? None of you got it right. You're tied one apiece. Okay. All right. Okay. I like this, Kevin. Kevin doing a good job hosting. I need to hear more of the classic voice there, Kevin. Classic voice. Here we go. Prior to 2017, who was the last player to be selected in the top 10 of the draft by the New York Rangers? Was it A, JT Miller, B, Dylan McElrath, C, Hugh Jessamine, or D, Mark Stahl? All right, Kevin, one more time. Of course. I will read it again in a normal voice. Prior to 2017, who was the last player to be selected in the top 10 of the draft by the New York Rangers? That is either picks 1 through 10. Is it A, JT Miller, B, Dylan McElrath, C, Hugh Jessamine, or D, Mark Stahl? That is all picks between 1 and 10. Not 11, not 12. All right, I'm pretty sure this is... I'm pretty sure this is Dylan McElrath. Yeah, it has to, I'm it has to be Dylan McElrath. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys are correct. That is the easy question I knew you would oh both get. Oh my gosh. That's which easy? I wanna remi- which I want to remind fans again, they picked Dylan McElrath with Cam Fowler and Vladimir Tarasenko oh, still on the board. Don't, don't. Yeah, I think they picked him 10th overall in 10th overall, yep. 10th overall. JT Miller was Vladimir actually- Tarasenko went 12th, I believe. I don't expect yes. you guys to even have a remote chance at this question. I just thought it was very interesting. The New York Rangers sent out the infamous letter on February 8, 2018. The first trade sent minor leaguers Adam Chappie and Joe Whitney over to Washington Capitals the following day. They concluded dealing with the blockbuster trade of JT Miller and Ryan McDonough to Tampa on February 26. Including those two trades, how many total trades did the Rangers make between the 8th and the 26th? Good grief. Is it A, 5, B, 6, C, 7, or D, 8? Oh, man. Okay. I got to think for a second here, Kevin. Of course. Reminder, you guys are tied to a piece. What are are the choices again, Kevin? A, 5, B, 6, C, 7, and D, 8. And this is how many trades did the Rangers make following the letter up to the trade deadline. Oh, oh boy. I'm going to say A5. Yeah, I'm with him on that. A5, yeah. 
Unfortunately, you are both oh. wrong. But very close. Oh. It was B6. Six. Six. The, Rangers, oh. okay. the Rangers trade away Chappie Whitney, Nick Holden, Rick Nash, Adam Graves. Adam Jason Graves? Be you mean Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Graves? Sorry. <laughs> I forgot I about Ryan Graves. Graves. Ryan Graves, JT Miller, Ryan McDonough, Michael Grabner in their oh first God, fire God. sale in seasons. Unfortunately, I do not have a tiebreaker, but you could guess the number I'm thinking of. 16. Between 1 and 10. Between 1 and oh, 10. Uh, 5. Um, I'm going to go with 7. Unfortunately, it was 3. JL wins. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was 3 Give me a break. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised, Kevin, that you didn't, like, mention a bunch of rules to start the trivia like I did last week. I mean, you discussed them last week. I don't mean, I mean, it's just simple point totals. Well, I just do that oh. as a formality because, you know. Formality and nothing. It's they, trivia. They, Very they, straight. They, no, no, no. If oh, you don't gosh. understand the concept of trivia, <laughs> I'm sorry. That is well, not my fault. Well, the reason why I say that is, and this is a little unrelated, but um, they, they, Mark Summers on Double Dare used to recite the rules of the show every time he started, and I actually, JL, I know the rules by that heart. That was a show. I know for children. Can you just allow me to recite the rules of Double Dare so I can get it out my system? No, because this isn't a Double Dare show. On to the next segment. All right, next segment. Let's discuss the Rangers' defense scoring like crazy. All right, so NYR Stats and Info. The the Twitter account gives us all our uh, nice Rangers Stats and Info, nicely packaged into nice little tweets. It's very nice, actually. Yes, you're right. Uh, Rangers defensemen have registered 38 goals and 133 points a season, which are the most by defensemen in the NHL. So, clearly something's going right with our defensive season, even though they're bleeding scoring chances. But scoring and, I mean, we're talking about two different sides of the ice. So let's focus on the offensive contributions from the defense. Um, I spoke about Tony D'Angelo a lot last week. He's been a big reason for this kind of upswing in the defense scoring. Adam Fox has been impressing people at every turn. And increasingly, I mean, I believe it was, I think it was one of the games last week where he kind of like turned on a dime, went almost to the goal line and sniped the puck past the goalie from like almost the goal line. Amazing, t- amazing skill that he possesses. That was against the I Islanders. Mean, that was two on one uh, coming out yeah. of the penalty box. How, how could we forget? I, I think but, I've watched um, those highlights multiple times over and that was one of the goals that impressed me the most. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a great so, game. You got guys like D'Angelo and Fox doing most of the scoring. You have Jacob Truba chipping in with with his 23 points. And even to some credit, you have to give Mark Stahl, Ryan Lindgren, and even Lebo Hayek when he was here credit for kind of being more stay-at-home guys and giving guys space. So let's let's open the floor here. Jail, we'll start with you. Um, the Rangers defensemen have really been kicking it into high gear this season. Um, what I mean, a lot of people like to rag on Lindy Ruff for the way he handles things. But at the same time, I mean... I guess you kind of got to give the guy credit for what the defense is doing scoring-wise. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Now, here's the thing. So, obviously, sometimes the scheme and the player may not be cohesive at the same time. But in order for that to work, the players need to execute. And I think now what's happening is, is you know, with the addition of guys like Panarin, the emergence of Sabanajad, you know, Ryan Strom playing well up the middle. It seems like the defense is starting to get comfortable now that things are a little more steady. Fox is playing a lot with Lindgren. You know, Truba is playing a lot with Shea. And even, you know, Stahl is playing a lot with, um, I was going to say McDonough. <laughs> Stahl is playing a lot with uh, D'Angelo. So my thing is, if, if you look at 
how everything started off earlier in the season, David Quinn was kind of shuffling things around. But now that everything's starting to, you know, ease up a little bit and everyone's still playing with the same partners, this, that, and the fourth, they're all getting comfortable with each other. Mark Stahl has these stretches where he's playing phenomenal. And he actually adds a lot to Tony D'Angelo's game because he's the muscle on that pair. Adam Fox, merciless in his own zone, just with the strong possession in the corners, the great passes, and Lindgren with the grit. And then obviously you have Shea and Truba. Truba's the bigger man, but he can also contribute offensively. So now that things are starting to get a little bit comfortable and they seem to have gotten into a groove, 38 goals and 133 points for defensemen. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Not to mention, they've been pretty solid on the penalty kill, and you have to attribute the defensive aspect of that coming to the shorthanded goals tally. So that's also pretty good. I know Kevin's chomping at the bit right now to say something, but I um, I know Kevin would agree with me for the most part. It seems like, you know, even though we like to get a Lindy Ruff a lot, the players are doing a good job at executing the system because, frankly, the system isn't that bad to execute. Honestly, it's not. It's just that how well and how often can they execute, and I think they've done a pretty good job at that so far. I mean, it's offensive talent really worth losing all of this defense i know like recently their defense has been better like just look at the columbus game i feel like they're a lot better defensively i mean it sucks it gave, they gave up offense it's just if you want your offense to obviously be potent and you want your defense to contribute but when your defense seems like they're doing a better job than your offense that's kind of the issue here you obviously you can't just rely on artemi panarin the whole entire time Pavel Buchnevich has been invisible. Chris Kreider is going to be gone. So who do you really rely on besides like the kids to really, you know, bolster you up? It's been the defense, and it seems that when the defense is scoring, the the overall defensive part of their game is gone. So you're having crazy totals like five to four, six to five, and yes, it's been great and it's good for the future of the Rangers, but. We need guys to stay at home defensive like Jacob Trouber, and that's why no one, like Russell was talking about before, that's why no one really kind of clings to Trouba as much as, you know, people who look at his game, the advanced stats guys really like Trouba's game. But, like, Tony D'Angelo last year was technically the best defensive defenseman on there. He had the best plus minus. He um, definitely, I, he, it's not like he didn't take the most penalties, but, you know, he was, you know, <laughs> he was good in all three zones. But now you add Adam Fox, whose skating is amazing. His defensive game needs a little bit more work, but he's adding offensively. And it's just, is the best defense a really good offense at this point? Maybe. But in playoff games, we've seen wins one nothing. We've seen losses one nothing, And it's really been a defensive battle. And the fact that it was just one small line change at the side of the game yesterday just says volumes. It really speaks volumes to the who the Rangers are and who they who they kind of what they look like going forward. But if you really boil it down, the Rangers have good defensive prospects. They just need to get better defensively, if that makes sense. And, and I think they will. I think they will. I think will. they will I mean, too, because most of their guys are young. And, you know, if Lindy Ruff does decide to take a head coaching position next season, which he really has, wants to, we might see a better defensive coach and we might see better defensive play and it's not like the penalty kill is awful it's just not all coming together at once the way everybody expects them to well you mentioned coaches it all depends on if greg brown is ready to take on that responsibility 
and if he's ready to go forward with that, you know, with those duties. I feel like that's what they brought him here for, and with Ruff being out of the question, they find someone else to do different duties, and I think Greg Brown should come in and take that role. Will he be ready? Well, that remains to be seen. And also, not just the coaching change, but like we've been saying for a lot of this show and previously, too, you're going to have more talent on the blue line next season. Um, just naturally, I mean, it's going to be raw talent. It's going to be talent that has to be shaped, but more talent nonetheless. I mean, I don't think people realize just how good Nils Lundqvist is. And you're talking about someone who is going to break a record held by a Norris Trophy winner. And Victor Hedman is one of the best defensemen in the world. And I don't think fans should take it lightly what Nils Lundqvist is doing. I mean, he's finally getting the recognition from people like Cam Robinson and Sam Stern and the big prospect guys who were just like, wow, I mean, he's elite. Like, you need to pay attention to this kid. You know, and he wasn't even picked in the top 10. He wasn't even picked in the top 20. He wasn't picked in the top 25. We're talking about a kid that was picked 28th at the back end of the first round, and the Rangers just saw the talent. And I remember at that point, we already had Vitaly Kravtsov. We already had Keandre Miller, and a lot of fans were screaming for someone like Joe Valeno or another talented forward even. Um, but the Rangers saw something in Nils Lundqvist, and they're going to be rewarded. And, mm-hmm. you know, all of this, whether it is a coaching change with Lindy Ruff or more of this raw talent coming onto the blue line, things are only going to get better. So you have all this high scoring from the defensemen now. Just wait until you add two more of these excellent defensemen, Mark Stahl's contract to run out. Um, eventually you're going to have to make space for Keandre Miller as well. I mean, it's just going to get better, and once the, the defensive structure settles in with all these guys, you, you watch out. Watch out. So it's going to be really impressive to see how this blue line comes together over the next few seasons. And, uh, you know, I feel like no matter where the Rangers are doing right now, it seems like things are coming up aces in terms of prospects. So let's hope that trend keeps going. Kevin, you have yes. a Twitter question for us this I week. do, and this time I actually saved the name. Of course you did. So Good thanks. job, Kevin. Thank you. Pat myself on the back. Um, this comes from JB Faz twelve thirteen on Twitter. He wants us to do a sign and trade, or a sign versus trade for these following players. So I'll pose the player. We all say if we want a sign or trade, easy peasy. Then we're done, and everybody gets a listen on Wednesday. That's fun. Go sign ahead. or trade, Chris Kreider. Trade. Trade. Come on. Obviously, it's coming like <laughs> a great trade. Mom. Come, Come on, on, man. I mean, it's obviously everybody wants to know. Sign or trade, Pavel Buchnevich. Trade. Sign. I've had enough. I've Sign. Seen enough. Sign. I'd also I've say trade. Enough. I think Vitaly Kratzov's coming in hot. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Not putting I'm, up the numbers I'm, in the AHL, but he's going to be ready to go next Ke- year. Kevin took the words right out of my mouth. I've seen enough. Uh, Vitaly Kratzov's on the way. And by the way, for those that haven't seen, Kratzov had a snipe the other night. It was beautiful. I saw it. It was, it was very nice. beautiful. Very beautiful. He's, I, he's coming in. I would, I, would, the ice. I would sign him, but I wouldn't sign him to an absurd contract. It's like that point I always make. Teams always sign these guys off the free agent list for cheap contracts. Obviously, his numbers are improving it. Sign him to a little bit of a better deal or just keep him here on a cheap contract. He could be a decent third, fourth liner moving forward. Sign or trade, Strom. Sign. Sign. Absolutely. Oh, sign. Yeah. He proved Absolutely. me wrong. He proved us wrong, wrong last week when we decided to all, apologize. And I don't care what you say. I don't care what you say about Artemi Panarin doing better. If you're not good, you're not putting up numbers on Artemi Panarin. And he I'm, wouldn't and be I'm, there. To that point, also, even if you sign Ryan Strom to a nice deal, I'm not saying seven years. Like 
kind of like what Jared said in our interview, maybe like five, four, five. I mean, that's still a little even, too much. Even but... if Ryan Strom doesn't anchor your second line forever, and he bumps down on the third line, and Heedle takes that second spot, that's fine. That's really good. That, then that's the perfectly solid, okay. That's what you call center, center depth. Right I mentioned that in oh, the interview. Center championship hmm. teams have center depth. You guys ready for a softball right here? Tony D'Angelo. Oh, please. I knew um, you were going to say that. Sign. Um, you, you, have, you have to make room. I'm sorry. You have you have to make room. It, no, It absolutely. just sucks that the I, – I, we all agree that it was smart to give him a one-year deal last year, but he's really proving all of us wrong, and we should have signed him for cheap. I know hindsight's 2020, but unfortunately, <sighs> that's going to be a I lot mean, of money. What Tony – Tony D's contract, what they're going to want to give him means that they're going to have to unload Brady Shea, and I think they will do it if they really need to. I think it's Teams want him. Yeah. He has value. It's just, yeah. like I said unless, before, unless, the right package. Unless there's a trade that's can't miss, I think you move Shea over him. Shea was supposed to be the guy to deliver more offense. He's the, he was supposed to be a little bit of a mix of McDonough and a little bit with more, some, with more offensive ability. You haven't really seen it much, but he hasn't been the worst. Hasn't been but the will best Jacob Truba die of the big sad once his best friend goes away? <laughs> we don't know. Jacob Truba, Jacob Truba will be fine when he's in the Canyon of Heroes lifting a couple of Jacob Truba will be fine with the be okay. eight plus yeah. million he makes. So yeah. I think he's yeah, good. Yeah, I, think he'll, sure. I think he'll lose literally one night of sleep on it. I'm sure <laughs> Jacob Truba's upset. Yeah. Next. Come on. Alexander Georgiev, sign or trade? trade. Oh, God. It's, it's trade, but it's a really horrible feeling trade. It's a it's a it's, pit yeah. in my stomach. I really wish someone would yeah. do something about it. Trade. Although, uh, just, if you, I mean, although based on our dis- based on our discussions from our chat before, are the Rangers trying to get Henrik Lundqvist to rethink his decisions? It's, we'll have to see. I don't think so. Broad spectrum. It's like, do they really not play him and him be like, I want to play again, so just trade me? If he didn't <laughs> want to go two years ago, he's not going anywhere he's not going now. Anywhere. And he said he want to no, retire. Best case scenario, they trade him. He comes back to sign a one-year deal, then he retires. I mean, a one-day deal. Sorry, not one year. <laughs> Here's the I hardest one that I think. Okay. Sign a trade, yes for fast. Um, I okay. Well done. I think. See, this is the hardest. I, I, <laughs> oh crap! I would <laughs> love to keep yes for fast. But if he's gonna get a Zach Cassigan like like a deal, I think yeah. you, I think what he does, as good as he is and as nice as he fits with this team, what he does can be filled with a guy like a DJ Zeppi or, or who I think is going to be on this roster next year, Morgan Barron. Uh, I think they should sign him, but not for a ridiculous deal. If he decides that he wants, like Russ said, a Zach Cassian deal, then I'm sorry, but you know, as much as one of our fellow contributors, Mr. JT Marrero, sorry, would, J- sorry, JT. Yeah, as much as, as yeah, as much as we, as much as we love Jesper Fast, I uh, don't think he's worth that much money. Good player, good glue guy. I absolutely believe that he is one of those players you have on a championship team that like gets a game-winning yeah. goal and like triple overtime out of nowhere. So it's not someone you just want to throw to the wind. Oh, Haglund with his luscious locks, I, miss, I know. I miss <laughs> I Unfortunately, having, having an A on your chest does not mean you're untradeable. I'm well, sorry. Zuccarello got hey, traded, but, so. I think, <laughs> I think they should trade him. I, like I said, I would like to sign him, but I think the right move is to trade him to like a team where like we really need that third line winger. We need a guy that can slot in every single position on just everything. Power play, penalty kill, five on five. I mean, not three on three, but that's not going to happen in the playoffs. 
But he's that guy, like you said, Jay, I was going to score that second over T, third over T goal. But that's it. JB Fez, 12-13, thank you for your titillating sign versus trade question, even though it technically wasn't a question. But well, I'll take it. Well, I liked it. And I'm I glad liked we it. Could, it was I'm good. Glad we could help you with that. I hope you, I hope you enjoyed the questions. Before we end, before we end today, I'm going to give you guys a crazy fact of the day. Um, so, everyone remembers the Eric Carlson trade with the San Jose Sharks. Absolutely. Everyone remembers the Ottawa. So, so everyone remembers that first round pick that was sent to the to the Ottawa Senators from the San Jose Sharks. Well, everyone, here's some food for thought. If things go a certain way, the Ottawa Senators can end up with the first overall pick. And the second overall pick this year. Uh, Pretty crazy to think I about. A, I don't know if that's a fact. That's more speculation. But yeah, True. it's. I guess really crazy statement of the week. But if that, that does happen. There we go. I like that better. That's good. Yeah. You, it's yeah. just very crazy to imagine that Alexis Lafreniere and Quentin Byfield could be on the same NHL team. And if that happens, oh my lord, look out. Well, if that but happens, anyway. Pierre Dorian's going to get a nice pay raise. Yeah, if that happens, Pierre Dorian's job is saved. But, uh, Looks like he's a crazy. genius. <laughs> Well, everyone, thank you for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Jared Klinder from the Hockey News. We hope that the three of us brightened your Wednesdays or whenever you happen to be listening to this. And as always, Kevin, take us say the three words I know you want to say. Let's go Rangers! You've been listening to 4B Radio, powered by ForeverBlueShirts.com. Now for February's biggest style steal, 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans started just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. And let's go, Raider Nation. It's me, Evan Grote, host of Just Pod Baby. Join me as I bring you the latest news on your Las Vegas Raiders. On Just Pod Baby, I will give you my thoughts on all things silver and black. And of course, you can expect to receive the best information from top-notch guests. Be sure to listen to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Silver and Black Today Media Group. 
Business with personality. That's the idea that launched London's business newspaper, City AM, 15 years ago. And it's the same idea that inspired our new daily podcast, The City View, where you'll find me, City AM editor Christian May, interviewing the most well-known, influential and colourful figures from business, politics and finance. The City View from City AM, with a new episode every morning. It's the perfect start to your working day. Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us.